every single time there's imposter, imposter syndrome, just because I think anyone who doesn't experience imposter syndrome, I'm like, shit, like send me some of that magic juice and like that confidence because we all go through it when we're about to attempt something important and something meaningful. But I think in terms of combating it, in terms of not necessarily overcoming it, I think it's always going to be there to some degree. I think it's learning how to manage it. Hi there, and welcome to the Let's Thrive podcast. My name is Emily Feichels, and I started this page to inspire, educate, and empower any who listen. Like most people, I'm a curious soul and love to chat with my guests on all things health, wellness, spirituality, entrepreneurship, and so much more. I hope you'll stick around for a time or two, and with that said, let's thrive. Hi there, and welcome back to episode 33 of the Let's Thrive podcast. I'm your host, Emily Feichels, and as usual, I'm very happy to be here with you guys in your earphones, earbuds, I don't know, whatever you want to call them, and yeah, I'm just appreciative of it. Today is an interesting conversation with someone I have admired for so long. Her name is Jara Foster-Fell of the Instagram Jarrah.bean, and she is truly, truly an inspiration, unlike any other I've had on the show thus far. But before we jump into her and what this episode is all about, I just wanted to discuss something that came up for me of late and that we discuss in this episode by chance. I didn't mean for those to correlate. And then I did a poll on my Instagram to tie it all together, and that's what I really want to discuss a bit on here today, because, I mean, I started this podcast to help others. Like, I didn't really start it to help myself. Has it helped me? Yes, I've learned so much beautiful insight and wisdom from my guests, but besides that, I do it for you. I do it for the people, those of you that come back time and time again to listen and I know it's been a rough and bumpy road of me trying to find my style, (laughs) trying to upgrade things and get everything smooth and flowing and find my voice, but I appreciate all of you that have stuck with me, especially when the dogs go off (laughs) like they just were about to. I did a poll on Instagram about imposter syndrome. This is something I've felt for a long time now basically in every area of my life, which is kind of funny because it's, you know, if I were to have an internal dialogue, it would probably go along the lines of, who am I? Because I feel like I'm an imposter at everything, you know, with it, with my cooking, with my podcast, with my Instagram, with my fitness, with my writing, with my fashion, with my people skills, with my communication. And if you think about it, If I feel like an imposter in all these areas, then what am I? Who am I? And I mean, maybe that's taking it too far, but those are just some thoughts. So in today's episode, it is something Jarrah and I talk about. So I did a poll on Instagram just to see, oh, there goes my phone, just to see where we're all at on this spectrum. So I asked, where are some situations or scenarios in which you feel imposter syndrome? Some of the responses I got were in engineering school. Girl, I feel you. (laughs) At school and work, even though I'm capable and do well, I always question myself still. That's another amazing response, and I think that's something to be addressed as 
I think oftentimes we all know we can do it, yet we still feel like an imposter, we still question ourselves, so that's an interesting one. There is being a young person at my corporate job, and ooh, I see that one. I've talked to a few others who experienced this, and I'm a firm believer. I don't think age should define anything. Of course, I am a 19-year-old trying to pave my path in the world, so of course I feel that way, but I'm curious, what are your thoughts on that one, maybe? This one I really relate to. She says, at work and at the gym slash exercise. Hallelujah, I cannot go to the gym without feeling like an imposter. Like someone's going to come over and measure my muscles and see that I'm not strong enough to lift this, (laughs) which is obviously absurd. Someone said in Instagram, in my beauty, makeup, and fashion life, and in running my own business. Ooh, girl, all three of those. Feel that again. This is an interesting one. She says, honestly, in this foodie space sometimes, never meant for this growth to happen. And I know who said this, and I... I can see why you think that because like, A, you grew really fast, but B, it's because you're amazing, girl. I mean, we all are, but you put in the work and the effort, so don't beat yourself up over that. You're getting what you deserve. We all should. We all will when the time is right. This one says, in college and within the math department at my school especially, I once more relate. I was always in the higher math in my high school. And I once more felt like someone was going to come in and like take my paper away from me and say, you don't know what you're doing. Get out of this calculus class. Never happened. Sometimes I wish they would have taken me out. (laughs) This one and the last one I got was whenever I post on Instagram, my pictures never feel good enough and it's just such a weird feeling to share them and have everyone see them. Ooh, I think we can all once more relate to that. Whether you're posting food, lifestyle, fashion, a picture of your dog. I mean, the number one thought that I think goes through our minds of is, is this good enough? Will people like it? And especially when you're experimenting, I believe, with photography, I could see why you definitely feel like imposter syndrome creep in because it's that question of who am I to be posting this? Like, my photography is not that good. When in reality, my friend, I know who you are once more, your photography is so good, but say you were just starting out and it wasn't in the area it is now, Uh, you still deserve to share it and you still deserve to do what lights you up, which in this case is photography. So you do you, girl, and those who support you will support you. So I know that was a bit longer than I planned for it to be, but I just really wanted to showcase different areas where you might be feeling imposter syndrome. When Jared talks about it in this case, it is more in like the business idea, but you truly can feel it in all areas of life. And I think it's important to acknowledge that so that you know you're not alone. And sometimes when you see that you're not alone and you see your thoughts and patterns mirrored in others or someone speaks them into your ear through a podcast, it makes you think and go, oh, wow, (laughs) that is me. Why do I feel this way? And what can I do to get out of this feeling? Yeah, that's my little spiel for you. And as mentioned, Jara on the podcast shares such amazing wisdom. The end is when we touch on imposter syndrome, but before that, we cover so much from what she was like as a child to finding creativity again as an adult and how to integrate that back into your life to keep those creative juices flowing and bring the fun and the joy and all of that jazz back into your life, whether it's work or personal. We discuss 
the moment she realized, well, the few moments she kind of realized that this Instagram influencer space could actually be a job and a lifestyle. Her branding, the idea behind it, and how she shares her work, the, the message she wants you to take from her work, which I think is truly beautiful. We touch on community, building friendships to last, finding love, whether you're an average person just living life, maybe you're a super busy, go-getter, corporate gal, entrepreneur, stay-at-home mom, you're just super busy, We'll stay at home mom, stay at home mom looking for more love. I guess that one didn't make too much sense, but you know what I mean. <laughs> or maybe you're in the city, or maybe you're in the middle of nowhere like I am. She just gives some tangible advice for the dating scene, finding love, and more so just finding friendship too. I think we all need those relationships in our life to support us and keep us going. Can I get an amen? <laughs> and after that is when we you know, we do talk about some of the entrepreneurial pressure she felt, limiting beliefs, self-doubt, all that good jazz, as much as well as the imposter syndrome and balling on a budget. She shares how she's kind of re-handling her finances, living in the city and doing what she's doing. And I thought that was like super fun and tangible advice way to end the episode. So I truly hope you listen through the end to get that tidbit and if you liked the episode, if something resonated with you, please share it. Take a screenshot, share the episode on your Instagram story, tag Jera at jera.bean, and you can tag me at thrive underscore on life. We would love to hear your feedback. I always message back. I always like converse a bit because I want to know about you. I want to know what you liked, what you didn't like, and I just want to talk. I mean, communication is everything. I mean, communi- <laughs> community and communication is everything. So let's let's do that, friends. And if you really like the show, you can always go on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and leave a rate review or even subscribe. means a whole heck of a lot to me, and I appreciate you either way, though. Truly hope you enjoy this episode. Check out the ad sponsors if they interest you or message me with any questions. And without further ado, let's jump into this ad and then the episode. As you guys know, I'm all about eating a whole foods diet and supplementing when necessary for optimal health and wellness. That's why I'm so passionate about a favorite brand of mine and sponsor of the podcast, Cured Nutrition. Cured Nutrition offers hemp and CBD products that can enhance your daily wellness routine and aid in your health journey. Their products are organically grown, vigorously tested, and responsibly sourced in their home base of Colorado. And in case you're like I was just a few months ago, confused as to what CBD, hemp, or any of this means, let me explain. Hemp is in the same group as cannabis, but contains less than 0.3% of THC. It has been used and consumed by humans for ages, and is a great source of plant-based protein, rich in essential amino acids, and supplies healthy omega-3 and 6 fats. Cured offers a variety of hemp products, like their hemp hearts that you can sprinkle on meals, blend in a smoothie, or bake into cookies. And the product I use daily is their mint hemp oil. I take a dose each morning and have seen immense relief of that early morning anxiety that so many of us can experience. More so, I firmly believe it's helped with my joint pain, which is something I've struggled with for two plus years now. In my last three months of testing cured products, I have seen drastic improvement. No more stretching four times a day just to relieve my joints, and I'm serious on that one. Now, CBD, aka cannabidiloid, 
Did I say that right? <laughs> it's a natural compound that is found in hemp and similar to THC, yet is not non-psychoactive. So no, it does not get you high. Cured has so many options for this too. Everything from a body salve to dog treats, cookie dough, gel caps, and my personal favorites, the Zen and Rise capsules. I take the Cured Zen capsule every night for deep sleep and improved digestion. Thanks to their blend of CBD, magnesium, and super herbs such as ashwagandha and chamomile, I get a deep night's sleep plus the improved digestion from magnesium. The Cured Rise capsules are perfect for morning and act as like a natural stimulus to get you going. The blend is caffeine-free but composed of focus aids such as rhodiola and ginseng to craft the ideal nootropic supplement. Now, I really need this with my fatigue. That early morning, it just gets me going gets my brain alert, and I'm ready for the day. If you'd like to learn more about Cured Nutrition and their products, you can find them at curednutrition.com. And if you'd like to try a product or two, go ahead and use my code, Let's Thrive, to save $10 on your first order of $50 or more. Now there's no better time than the present to try something new and see the benefits of Cured Nutrition in your life. There. That's okay. Yeah. My dogs might start barking. So cool. So wait, where is my dog? Oh, there he is. He's on the couch. Great. <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much for your time and just doing this. I appreciate it so much. Thanks for having me. I'm stoked to do this. Yeah. Well, to jump right in, I had a question that I kind of thought would be a good way to get started into your journey and everything. So I'm curious, what were you like as a child? Like if your mom were here, which she seems pretty rad, if she were here, how would she describe, you know, little Jara and kind of, you know, paint a picture of how you got to today? Well, first of all, my mom, I just want to say is the most encouraging, supportive person ever. Like I've actually, this has come up in conversation a few times recently because she's the kind of mom, like, I feel like no matter what I do, she will cheer me on and think that I'm the best at it. Like, for example, I was in chorus when I was in seventh and eighth grade, just because like, we're sort of forced to do something like that in middle school, which I actually, I enjoyed it. Um, but my mom's like, you have the best voice. Like, you're such a good singer. And I'm actually tone deaf, I think. <laughs> um, another example is I played basketball in middle school and high school, and I was good for my team, you know, like, that's not saying a lot though. My mom's like, you should play basketball in college. I'm like, mom, I would get eaten alive playing basketball in college, but bless you for thinking that I'm that good. You know, it's sweet. So that aside, my mom thinks I'm uh, amazing, which is lovely. But as a kid, let's see, I think I was definitely like kind of wacky and goofy. Um, very much interested in like style and wearing different things. I'd wear different colored shoes to school and like pink zinc lip gloss with blue sparkles on it. And interested in a lot of things from sports to acting to, I was like the only girl in the chess club when I was in second grade. So I was all over the place in a good way though. So yeah, that's a little Jaren in a nutshell, kind of goofy and curious about a lot of things. So it sounds like you've always had, obviously your humor, you've always had, you know, you're not afraid to grab life by the balls and be the only girl on the chess team, you know, <laughs> these things. And then also it sounds like you've always been kind of a creative, you know, creative spirit. So, you know, I'm curious now, how do you infuse that creativity in your daily life now as an adult in the adult world? Yeah, that's such a pertinent question because I feel like 
you're right. I have been a creative person most of, or all of my life, but I think that I have been stuck creative, creatively speaking recently. So my whole life I've been creative. I've always liked to draw. I was a fine art major in college. I did graphic design as my profession for five years after school. Um, I've always been interested in fashion in, in one way or another. So the creativity has always been there. And I think my job currently, I'm a full-time influencer, um, needs a certain amount of creativity in terms of content that I produce and things that I write and YouTube videos that I make. Um, so there's definitely creativity infused into my daily life. But just to be super honest, I feel like I've been stuck in a creative way. Um, I actually just had this little challenge recently that I part, uh, participated in and asked everyone else to participate in, which was called get out of that, get out of that funk. It's all about getting yourself out of a rut or any sort of stuckness that you feel that you've been in. And one of the weeks was about creativity. And I asked everyone to just do something, whether it was one time throughout the week, whether it was every single day throughout the week, that would spark some sort of creativity, which whether it's photography, painting, journaling, meditating, makeup, uh, anything. And my challenge for myself was to paint a picture or like an abstract painting every single day. And that for me was just a way to do something creative, not in relation to my work and to sort of unlock a part of my brain that I feel like has been stuck for a little bit. So that's my creativity rant for you. <laughs> I love it. And it's so funny because creativity just keeps getting brought up. I, I keep seeing it everywhere. And someone said, it was just hit me the other day. They were like, when you have these create, you know, creative passions or passions of any sort, and you start to attach something to them, like an outcome or a monetary value or a goal for them, over time, it just kind of like leeches, you know, leeches the fun oh, yeah. of it and the creativity. Uh -huh. And I, I was, you know, <laughs> similar to you, I, I hit a brick wall. My, my creative, my creativity stems from like the kitchen and cooking. And I just hit a blank wall. I mean, I was, couldn't think of anything and removing that uh, pressure from it really helped open everything up again. <laughs> Yeah, it's a totally different thing when your creativity is all of a sudden linked to your job or making money. And it's funny you bring that up because I'm a full-time Instagram influencer and don't get me wrong, love my job. It's totally my dream job. I'm really grateful for it. But when something becomes that was once your passion becomes your job, especially if creativity is linked to it, it becomes a whole other ball game and getting stuck is so frustrating. <laughs> and especially when you have so many ways to go. I mean, you know, you're in like the Mecca of you're in New York City and you have, you know, all these avenues that you could go down with that creativity. I can feel it would almost be, you know, overload of where do I go and trying to like, you know, up one or up level, you know, each time again and again. So I can't imagine, you know, that probably adds a little bit of, you know, struggle in there too, but yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great point in that there are so many options and so many things to do just in terms of specifically what I do now, like in a day I can get my Instagram post up. I could do a blog post. I could do a YouTube video. Like there's a million options. And then in terms of what the future holds as well, in terms of route to take. And that's why I get kind of, um, 
uh, I tense up when someone's like, what's your five-year plan? And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure yet. Like, don't ask me. I know. <laughs> uh, just because I feel a little bit paralyzed by the options. And to, truth be told, I don't really have a plan yet because there are so many things that interest me and there's so many opportunities that I, that I feel almost scared or, or paralyzed at the thought of having to choose something right now. Well, and if, if you think of it, if someone had asked you five years ago, what's your five-year plan? I don't think you probably would have said where you are now. And so, you know, yeah. being tied into that, when was the moment when you realized, holy shit, I can make a career out of Instagram and out of my creativity and photography and all these things that you do? When, when do you think that moment or that section in time was when you realized the potential here? Yeah, I think there's probably a few and not necessarily pinpointing one exact moment, but I started my account in April 2015, April 4th to be specific, and it was in September, a couple months later, whatever that is, like six, nine months later, um, that I left my graphic design job and went freelance because I wanted to allow myself the space and time to figure out whatever this new role and new path and new passion is. And at the time it was Instagram and fitness. So I got my um, certification as a personal trainer. That's when I started my soul cycle journey to becoming an instructor, all the while building and growing my Instagram account. So that was definitely a major shift for me when I left my, my office job as a graphic designer. And then I'll say probably the next big shift was sometime during my soul cycle career probably, you know, end of 2017 to early 2018, when I realized that I was actually unhappy as a soul cycle instructor, despite putting so much time and effort and energy into becoming that. And it was when I realized that discomfort and that sort of unhappiness, and also looked at what I was doing during uh, that time with my Instagram and seeing what my peers were doing, I was like, wow, well, I'm not super happy at SoulCycle, but I think I have this incredible opportunity to pursue Instagram and pursue my own brand full time. So those are probably the two major moments because then a couple months later, I did leave SoulCycle and did end up going full time with Instagram. Okay. And so would you say you brought up, you know, when you were kind of starting to get into the idea of a brand, how would you describe your brand, you know, and in your own unique fashion, how would you kind of sum up like your mission statement, your branding, what you what you want to exude, you know, from your work. I think that it's ever changing and it's something that's in progress and that's evolving, but I would say that my mission and my brand stands on the pillar of empowering women to feel confident, to feel good in their own skin and also to take not to take life too seriously. And I do that through my content, which is either discussing heavy topics like mental health and body issues and relationships and career uh, topics to more lighthearted things like just sharing silly stories or weird re reoccurring things. I do like eating bananas on videos. People tend to get a kick out of that. I sure do. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it's, it's just by, I hope that by sharing my experience and what I go through in my thoughts, it lifts others up and makes other women feel less alone in whatever they're going through. Well, it certainly does. And, you know, I'm curious, 
part of your work and everything you do is you just exude such confidence, but also humor. You know, like you said, you do have these tough subjects that we talk about and that's wonderful. But sometimes, you know, I think what differentiates you from other influencers, branding, whatnot in the same field as you is that you're, you have your heavy topics, but then you also have these light humorous ones. And it is such an amazing balance because there have been accounts I've had to unfollow because it is, it's too heavy, you know, like day after day to see that type of content. And then some just aren't going deep enough and it doesn't feel, you know, like it's adding anything to my life. And I think you have found that perfect balance. And so I'm curious though, have you always been, you know, like this confident, this humorous, like when did, when did you really start to embrace that side of you and show it off, you know, show it, show it and put it into your work as well? I was just talking to someone the other day about scrolling back to the beginning of my Instagram account, which is there. Like none, no photos have been deleted. It's like grainy banana smoothies and like sort of bad mirror selfies. And I'm thinking about that specifically in relation to your question, because sometimes I do like to scroll back to my account and see those photos. And it's kind of shocking to me in a sense to see that person because just the way I hold my body in the photos and the way my facial expression is, there's such a lack of confidence that I see there. And I say that in sort of a loving and heartwarming way. I'm kind of like, oh, like past Jera, how cute. And, and I forget that sometimes. And that was just the mere like, whatever it was, four years ago in 2015 when I first started my account. So I think that I've definitely always been a fairly confident, fairly goofy, fairly warm and friendly person my whole life. But when I think about the last four and a half years or so and think about all the change and challenges that I have gone through over the last few years, that has really molded and created this foundation for my confidence that I didn't have in what I like to call my prior life, like especially as a graphic designer. So I think that Instagram, the role that I'm in today, my soul cycle experience has molded me into this much more confident person than I think I ever could have been um, a couple of years prior. I absolutely love that. And I'm right there with you. Just, I mean, even scrolling back and uh, like the camera roll on my phone, you know, not yep. even Instagram, just going back. And it's crazy to see how things can change, you know, in one year, two year, yeah. but back, you know, even further, yeah. it's kind of like, wow. <laughs> it's amazing. It really is. So on the idea of confidence and everything, I, you know, first found you through your, you know, transformation, I'd say really from the idea of body image from soul cycle to now. And, you know, I imagine you, you've discussed this topic so many times, but it is such a powerful, you know, journey that you had. And some of your most, you know, I'd say powerful posts that have ever been for me have been like literally you just trying to put on the pants that you wore, like th whatever that time was ago. And it hit home because it was around the time you posted, you know, one of your first ones of it, whatnot. And I was experiencing the same thing where it was like, I was trying to hold on to those past clothes that no longer fit a changing, evolving body. And said you were coming on the show. That's what so many people think just relate to you on is that idea of this journey you've gone on with your body. So would you mind like just expanding upon that a bit? Like I said, I know you've probably talked with one to the 
into the ground. But if you could just expand a bit on that journey and what it really taught you about yourself transitioning from that body to this body and what you learned about yourself. Yeah, so I started my whole workout fitness regime right when I started my account. That was April 2015. And that was the very first day that I started the BBG bikini, wait, bikini body guide. Oh yeah. For some reason I've been like messing up the acronym now. BBG um, by Kayla Edsinas. And I'd been following her for about a year or so, admiring and sort of feeling jealous in a good way of the transformations that she posted. Like, oh, I, I wish that was me. Like, I want to look like that girl. I want to feel fit and good about myself. And that's what kind of kicked off the whole fitness thing for me. And that's what um, I think initially helped to create my following was that super niche community on Instagram of girls doing the guide. And I think that I fell so in love with fitness because it was fitness and Instagram that really created this huge positive pivot in my life. And I was in this dark sort of part of my life where I hated my job and didn't have any friends and was just so miserable that fitness and Instagram created this surge of positivity. And so through fitness, I was making friends online. I was feeling good about myself by sticking to something. I saw changes in my body and that was exciting. So that's how it all began. And then I became a soul cycle instructor, which is a whole saga and huge multi-chapter story, which I'm happy to dive into. But soul cycle for anyone who has not taken it is an indoor uh, boutique fitness sin studio. And it's sort of the creme de la creme in terms of uh, spinning. Like if you want to be a spin instructor, a lot of people want to be a soul cycle instructor. And it's one of the few fitness classes where the instructor is doing the entire class with everyone versus like yoga or Pilates where moves are demoed, but then they're just kind of guiding everyone. So when I became an instructor, I was teaching on average about 15 classes a week, riding the entire class, sometimes teaching three classes a day, three days in a row. And you're burning like 500 plus calories a class, probably more as an instructor, just because you're up there and going psycho and trying to motivate everyone else. Um, so my body was quite lean and thin before that, thanks to the BBG. But um, it really changed a lot with that intense fitness professional lifestyle. And um, I, I had like no fat on my body. I had like teeny tiny abs. I was just like a, a very small person, which is totally fine. I was being healthy. I was teaching. I was a professional. I was eating all the things. But when I left SoulCycle, obviously not taking or teaching three classes a day anymore. So my body started to shift. It was slowly but surely. It's been about a year and four months now. And if you look at my body now compared to my body as a soul cycle instructor, it's pretty different. Um, no more defined abs, no more chiseled arms. I've gained some fat, but I say this all in a positive way because I'm super happy with how I look now and also even more so with how I feel. I'm not exhausted anymore. I don't, I used to reach this level of exhaustion that I can barely even put into words. And fortunately, that's not anything that I experience now. Um, so even though my body has shifted, I feel like it's been a really positive shift. And I do my best to share that on social media because I know other women specifically have changes in their bodies. And I want them to know that 
as women, that's normal. Our bodies change so much and we can feel good about those changes and we don't have to tie our self-worth to abs or thigh gaps or how many times we work out a day. So that's where I'm at currently with that. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I, yeah, I just appreciate it. And I think so many women, girls, everybody can relate to it. And, you know, just really reminds us all that everybody has gone practically through these issues at some point in their life, you know, whether big or small. So I appreciate that. And yeah, shifting gears just a bit, obviously the challenges of being an entrepreneur are apparent already. And, you know, I don't mean for this question to be sexist, even as a question, like, have you faced any struggles being a female entrepreneur in your field, you know, of influencing, you know, using Instagram and promotion, especially in like a city such as New York City? Have you faced it, you know, whether it was in brand partnerships or opportunities that, you know, were available, but, you know, I, I don't, I'm trying to figure out how I'm formulating this question. Yeah, no, I know. I know you mean it. It, It's an interesting question. And I don't think it's actually something that has been asked to me before. And I'm trying to, you know, as a woman, I certainly face things walking down the streets of New York City every day. I can't walk a single block without some men yelling something at me. But in terms of being an entrepreneur, especially in the influencer space, I feel really fortunate to say that I can't really think of anything. And I, I, I think that the influencer space is, at least in my eyes, maybe just because of like my little bubble, it does feel really female driven and a lot of like female girl power, positivity, encouragement um, in that space. So I feel really fortunate to say that I can't think of a single example right now, which I feel like is probably pretty rare when you're talking to entrepreneurs in general. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's just typically the idea of, I guess, in I think you are correct in that the influencer sphere, you know, and where you're at is, I guess, a pretty female dominated, you know, field now that I'm thinking about this more. But yeah, you know, just I found talking with some other entrepreneurs, just as a woman, they've had issues, you know, having people take them seriously, having people want to invest with them, uh, you know, believe in what they're even proposing. Why well, I kind of asked, and then I know that you are like you're a huge, like you support, I mean, you support everybody, but you, like when I think of supporting other women and I think of, you know, feminism in its broadest terms, I do think of you because I think what was, you did like a video and it was for the pink packs, I believe. Yep. Yep. For okay. European Wax Center. Yeah. Okay. Could you like expand upon that idea some more and just how put this feminine energy into some of, you know, some of those project products to really support you know us women as a whole and as a collective and as a community yeah well I think in terms of brand partnerships it's it's so important to pick partnerships and companies that align with you and what you do and your mission specifically with European Wax Center I freaking love them I had a long-term partnership with them about a year ago and then a few one-off things with them this year and one of the things that I love that they that they do they support the Acts the Pink Tax Initiative. And it's crazy to me a lot. I wasn't super aware of this before. So it's it's crazy that it isn't more common knowledge. But in general, women pay more money for products and services than men do. So let's say you go to a pharmacy and there's pink razors and there's blue razors. The pink razors will be more, even though they both freaking shave your skin. Or if there's a, a 
bike for a toddler and one's blue and one's pink, the girl bike will be more. So on average, something like $1,500 a year that women spend more than men, which adds up to like $40,000 by the time you're 30, which I am I'm like, yo, that shit's crazy. So specifically with that, um, it was really cool to wait, raise awareness about that. And I got so much awesome response just in terms of the mission itself. And also so many people did not know about the pink tax. So just to raise awareness and kind of fight for those issues. Um, it's freaking awesome. I love that. Yeah. You were one of the first people that really, I guess, like drove the idea home with me of like just how prevalent it is in our society and I started looking around more and I started you know just talking about it more you know just in casual conversation and most people you know did kind of agree that it kind of made sense and then there are of course a few people I live in a very conservative town and there was a few people saying how it's bullshit and I'm like well you're you're bullshit like here's <laughs> <laughs> video like then you'll know <laughs> exactly sending him to your page <laughs> yeah it's, it's just an interesting you know topic to dive into and it's crazy how issues and topics like that some people just I don't know they don't look at the facts, I guess, and yeah. kind of stay, you know, in with their things. But so another thing I wanted to ask you was you have created, at least it appears, so many amazing friendships in this woman, like in this community you have. So I'm just wondering how, especially being in New York City once more, I've had friends there and they just said that the hardest thing for them was actually like making friends, making a community because everybody's, you know, off doing their own thing. And a lot of people already have their tight knit. So how did you really cultivate and maintain your community and those, you know, close people, whether near or far, and just, you know, support each other time and time again? Well, the community aspect of Instagram was one of the main pillars that really drew me in and got me hooked to begin with and, and throughout, not just in the beginning. Like I said, when I started my account, I was in this really crappy time and just had so many shitty things going on. But one of those shitty things was really not having any friends. Like I had colleagues at work, but no real girlfriends. And I found friendships through Instagram. At first, it started off as simple as hey, like you're doing week three, day two of BBG, like me too. And we talk about what was hard during the week and what was um, maybe some of our accomplishments and, and comment on each other's photos when we completed the same day in the same week. And so there was a camaraderie and friendships that started virtually that were, that made me feel so much less alone. It made me feel connected. And I think because of my enthusiasm for my community at the beginning, that really helped propel what I do now. Like I could not wait to get home every single day and comment back to every single person who had written on my photo. I couldn't wait to scroll through my feed and see what everyone was up to that day. Like my thumbs and pinkies and fingers would just go numb from typing all day because I just loved to connect with everyone. And so from that real in-person friendships formed, one of my first ones was with Shanae. 
at Shanae Alexander for anyone who wants to follow her. She's awesome. And we've been following each other for a little bit. I think we had like 8,000 followers at the time each around the same, around the same moment. And I wrote her a message and I can still scroll back to it in my DMs, which is cute that Instagram saves all, all the old messages. And it was something like, Hey, Shanae, uh, I know we follow each other and I just love your tattoos and think you're super cool and funny. And that was it. And I'll never forget the message she wrote back, not for its words, but it was just so sweet and encouraging. And I remember she gave me her phone number. She's like, Hey, just text me. And that was just a mind boggling concept to me that she would actually just give me her number. And like, I texted her and I think we had a phone call and it just felt so cool to have this strong, powerful, supportive, uh, female force in my life. And then we ended up going on like, not, it wasn't really a blind friend date because we'd seen each other on Instagram, but I, I don't even think Instagram stories were around at that time. So like we hadn't seen each other talk or heard each other's voices in that way. Um, but we got a coffee, we ended up hanging out for three hours and we've been friends ever since. So that was my first Instagram friendship that really came to life. And there's a lot of similar moments after that where that's happened of, of people who have just DM'd and we meet up for coffee or uh, girls that I've met at meetups or events and then stay friendly with. And because of that, because I was starting pretty much at square zero with friends, all my girlfriends these days, whether they're close friends or just people I see once in a while are for the most part like Instagram gals in some shape or form. And Instagram has been such a positive force in that respect for allowing this platform to come off of our screens into real life and making real connections. And I feel so fortunate for that because I really needed that in my life. And of course I still do need it in my current day. I am so happy to introduce another sponsor for the show and a brand that I have loved for years before Instagram was even a thing, Terrasol Superfoods. If you know me at all, you know I love my smoothie bowls with my crunchy toppings and my chocolatey baked goods. But what you might not know is that without Terrasol, none of that would be a thing. Terrasol specializes in a variety of organic and responsibly sourced superfoods, all available at reasonable prices and in a variety of sizes. The company's founders, Dennis and Amy, are passionate about delivering quality goods, all while supporting local and global communities for sourcing. What I adore most about Terrasol is the fact that I can buy all my baking goods and superfoods in bulk, saving money and reducing plastic waste. Now that is a win-win situation. My absolute favorites and routine buys from the site include cacao nibs, coconut chips, sunflower seeds, and pumpkin seeds to top my smoothie bowls with. And for all my baking goods, I order cacao powder, coconut flour, coconut sugar, and dates, all in big bulk bags that save me money and save the planet while we're at it. <laughs> and it doesn't end there. You can order superfoods such as spirulina, maca powder, hemp hearts, chia seeds, flax seeds, goji berries, and so much more, all at amazing prices, responsible sourcing, and av available in a variety of sizes. The best part is that by using the code EMILY20, that's all lowercase, E-M-I-L-Y, two, zero, EMILY20, to save 20% off your order of Terrasol products. Go ahead and give them a try. I promise you will not regret it. Share your favorites on Instagram and tag them at Terrasol to show some love, and that is T-E-R-R-A-S-O-U-L. And as always, message me with any questions or concerns you have. 
Hope you guys check them out, and without further ado, let's get back into this episode. Another thing that I think has just been so like wonderful about your journey is that you're so you're so open about these things you go through. And one of those was especially, in, you know, I'm not asking for details that you would never share in this, but I just meant like, I felt so many of us were following along in your journey to find like love. And then, you know, you found him and it was like the <laughs> sweetest moment. So like I said, I'm not asking for like details. Those are yours, but I'm asking like, how would you advise that someone find more of a relationship, you know, whether it's in a city or just, you know, as a busy entrepreneur, someone that maybe isn't going out and working a corporate job or someone that is kind of self-propelled, you know, I know like for me, my issue is like working for yourself. You're not always going out and being exposed to people. Yeah. Yeah. How would you explain, you know, your journey of finding a relationship and like building one and I guess, yeah, that's, you know, I just, I think you did it in such an amazing way and it seems so strong, you know, Thank what you, you have now. Yeah. Yeah. A couple of things come to mind. Some of them are like in different topics. So I'll jump around a bit. I think one is not, oh God, online, online dating gets such a bad rap, but I think that there should be no fear on that. That's not how Aaron and I met. Um, however, it is something that I've used in the past. And I think it is when used with a grain of salt, it can be a wonderful tool. And I think that our generation has less of an issue with it. But I do meet some people sometimes who are like, oh, I don't want to do the online dating thing. And the thing is, it really takes so much time and effort. But as a relationship, should. So if you're kind of like, Oh yeah, I want to sign up for online dating, but Oh, it takes so much time and like so much effort to message people and meet up people, meet up with people like, yeah, it's going to, because finding a relationship for a lot of people is freaking work. So I think you just have to go into the online dating thing with the right mindset and knowing that it's going to take time and effort to kind of weed, weed through, through them a little bit. Um, that being said, after doing the online dating thing for a while, um, Aaron and I did meet in person. He is someone that I knew for about four months because he owns and runs the coffee shop around the corner from me. And so I just go in and we'd always have like a cute little flirty thing happening anytime we talked, but didn't really think of him in that sense. It just was someone that I like to crack joke at, jokes at when I was getting my lattes. Um, so that being said, I feel it's like also being open to what's around you and not sitting and staring and walking around the city or wherever you are with your phone all the time. I think we're so closed off because we're so tied to our technology all the time. So sort of opening up both your mental and your physical space to the people around you. Cause it's true. Like you never know who you're going to meet. If you had told me that I was going to start meet the love of my life around the corner in the coffee shop, I'd be like, is this a friends episode? Like you're a fucking liar, but it happened. So, um, just being open to what's around you and, and the people around you and the energy around you. And the last thing that popped into my mind as you were asking me this question is, like, uh, it sounds so corny, but like being true to yourself and standing by your morals and what feels right. And I just reflect on previous relationships and in my heart, knowing how wrong things were, but being like, okay, like, I guess I'll just keep going. I guess I'll just be comfortable and not challenge this relationship, even though in my heart of hearts, I know this is wrong. 
um, it's so challenging to be in something that feels like kind of okay and you think this is what love is and you think this is how a relationship should be but it's it's too scary to leave it that kind of thing um so just sort of practicing that self-awareness and really listening to what feels right because i think it's much better to leave a relationship that's not fully working for you than to stay in something and just be comfortable and not have it be totally okay so that's the last thing that popped into my mind about that i love that yeah and it was funny when you said if someone had asked you if you'd meet the love of your life, you know, around the corner, it was, you know, that was kind of that same idea. I was like, cause you have been, you, you've been sharing your journey of like dating and then not working and then this and that. And then all of a sudden you're, you know, like you mentioned where you met him or something. And I was like, all this time, he was so close to her. He's right there, <laughs> right in front of my face. And okay. So we were talking about this before we officially started and it was ironic that today you were writing a blog post about imposter syndrome and that was one of my, you know, questions for you. So perfect. But, you know, so the question goes, have you felt imposter syndrome doing what you're doing and how have you, or how are you currently working through that? Dude, imposter syndrome all the freaking time. I mean, it's funny that I, I love when the stars align like that, that I was just, I, I haven't even published it. I'm probably need, probably need about another hour or so once we get off to get it live. Um, so it's right, super clear in my brain. But yeah, I mean, the three that I'm talking about in my blog posts are when I was a soul cycle instructor, essentially every single day throughout training and every single day as a instructor, I was like, why would anyone come to my class when there's better instructors? No one likes me. Everyone's picking up on every tiny mistake I make. To um, another example I gave, I, let's see, back in April, taught a three-hour long class on how to brand yourself for Instagram. And I was like, oh my God, three hours long. Like why, why does anyone want to listen to this from me? I'm not an expert in this. I have nothing to share. These people are paying for this class. What if they get nothing out of it? Um, and then I think the last example I gave, I did a five minute speech in Times Square for Aerie for their winter, sorry, their winter, their summer solstice in front of hundreds of people and in my mind, I'm like, okay, five minutes, not that long, but like, okay, need to make an impact in five minutes. That's really hard. Like, is anyone going to listen? Why did they choose me? So I think that any time, especially over the last couple of years that I've done anything big or anything with meaning, every single time there's imposter, imposter syndrome, just because I think anyone who doesn't experience imposter syndrome, I'm like, shit, like, send me some of that magic juice and like that confidence because we all go through it when we're about to attempt something important and something meaningful. But I think in terms of combating it, in terms of not necessarily overcoming it, I think it's always going to be there to some degree. I think it's learning how to manage it. I think it's about acknowledging that you are experiencing it. You don't have to be like, oh, that's, uh, I'm not experiencing imposter, imposter syndrome. Like being like, yo, I feel like a fucking imposter right now. Just like admitting, admitting it, talking to people about it. And then also um, sort of 
remembering a few facts. Like for instance, with my three hour class that I taught, yeah, it was the first time that I was teaching a class. So it's okay to be nervous about doing something for the first time. But if I'm going to counter my feelings of fear with facts, I'd be like, okay, well, this is my first time teaching, but I've been doing Instagram for four years. So I think I have a lot of knowledge. I've done public speaking before. I've taught things in other ways before. So I know that I'm capable. It's reminding yourself that even if you feel like an imposter, that doesn't mean you actually are an imposter. A hundred. I, I feel that, I mean, you know, and I, I always say this to my guests and I need to just shut up about it, but I always get such imposter syndrome reaching out to my guests because I just admire you all so much. And, you know, I just, I'm like, Oh, here's little old me like typing on my keyboard, like about to send off this message. And I don't know. I just, I find that the more times I do it and I'm just like, to hell, I'm, I'm going to ship it. I'm going to send it. If they want to come on, they can. And you know, it's, it's kind of like, like I admitted to myself that, yeah, I do feel very much imposter, you know, syndrome just saying, I think we all can, like you said, experience imposter syndrome. Yeah. It runs through all of our veins. It's just a matter of figuring out how to manage it and tackle it. So it doesn't prevent us from going for or accomplishing or challenging ourselves. And so in this, I think, so something that ties to kind of the idea of imposter syndrome for me and I, with a couple other entrepreneurs I've talked to is just the idea of money scarcity. So have you ever, you know, had fears, limiting beliefs, uh, anything like that around money, and especially as you made the leap, you know, to working for yourself? Oh, totally. It's such a good question. You're like asking me things that I haven't been asked before. This is great. Yeah. Money is usually not a topic that's brought up, but God, money, money is an interesting topic because I definitely, I like grew up middle-class, but I don't think anyone ever really taught me how to like save or think about the future or like, do my taxes. I feel like it's things that I've had to teach myself. And I think money has been a scary topic because it's not like, why don't we learn how to deal with money in school? Like it's freaking crazy. So I have done a few things to try and be proactive and save and pay off debt and all that kind of stuff. And I, I work with uh, something called the financial gym. Have you heard of them by any chance? I worked with them for a little bit and they sort of help manage money and help you save and budget and all that stuff. And I switched to using with, um, working with a financial planner that I just started with and it feels good to be proactive and tackle that. But at the same time, I still feel myself being kind of resistant to working on it. For example, I have homework with the financial planner to fill out this workbook and I'm supposed to do it in like a week or two and I, and I haven't filled it out yet. So there's still like this um, resistance around the topic and things that I feel are holding my, me back around the topic of money. Do you think that working for yourself has taught you to be like more mindful of your spending or do you think it has allowed you to kind of have a relaxed grip, you know, and not be constantly, you know, marking down to the dot how much you're spending? I think that I'm a little bit more towards the relaxed end of the spectrum. I think something that's interesting is that I'm currently making more money than I've ever made in my entire life. And 
that's really freaking awesome, but it's also kind of scary. Um, it's like, whoa, what, like, what do I do? How do I manage this? Um, and so I think in that sense, I, over the last year have been more relaxed and not marking down every single thing and, and budgeting. And it's within the last month or two that I've kind of been like, okay, Jara, we need to sort of reconfigure this a little bit and be smarter about this. Not because I'm spending that much. I mean, I'm not going out and buying Gucci bags and fancy cars. Like that's just not me, but I do feel this need to become more conscious and more aware of where my money is going. Um, and just being more, uh, financially smart, I guess, about the decisions that I'm making. Like maybe I should take less Ubers, you know, that kind of thing. (laughs) Are there any other things you're doing to just be, you know, like you said, financially smart, save a little bit of money here and there? Yeah, I think something that has a point that's been driven home by both the financial uh, companies that I've worked with and things that I've read is starting to put money away for like a three month emergency savings, that type of thing. Like if you really add up how much you are spending each month in terms of the necessities like rent, groceries, health insurance, all that kind of thing, and put it away into an emergency fund. That way, if you lose your job or something big happens, a big expense that you have to take care of, you know that's there and you don't have to have this weight on you um, thinking about some sort of crisis, an emergency. That can take a while to build up, but I think if you start to put that aside into a savings, account. That's such a sort of a weight lifted off your shoulders to know that you have. Another thing that just came to mind um, that I just did, I spent a couple hours doing this the other day, was going through all of my bank statements and financial things and seeing what I'm paying for reoccurring every single month or every single year. So for example, Netflix is a reoccurring payment or Spotify, Squarespace I'm paying for once a year, um, all those kinds of things because I knew that I had a whole bunch of them, but I'm like, what dates am I being charged? Like, what are some subscriptions that I'm paying for every month that I'm not aware of? And those add up really quick. So if you make a list of those things and then you're like, wait, I'm like, wait a second, maybe I really don't need to be paying $10 a month for my Spotify. Um, and getting rid of the things that are, that are extra. And then also just being aware of the things that you're keeping and knowing how much that adds up to and the dates that you're being charged. So that's the other thing that pops in my mind. Love that. And I saw also the other day you mentioned something like trying to cook more for yourself too. And yeah. I just love that because I think that's something I've, I've always kind of been on that, you know, spectrum, but when I travel, holy shit, like at the end of the time, I'll be like, what did I spend so much money on? And I realize it's eating out every meal is, I mean, more money than I typically spend in an entire month. Like it's insanity. It adds up so fast. And then when you add into, at least for my scenario, my kitchen is like, I mean, we can see each other right now. So people listening don't know, but it's like behind my shoulder and it's the size of a, I don't know, very small size with not much counter space and not much space to hold different food items. So when you add that into the mix of having such a limited space to cook and also not going to lie, laziness, like I just, the end of the day happens and I'm like, shit, I've been doing a million things. And the last thing I want to do is cook right now. It's so easy to fall into that pattern of ordering out and getting pre-made stuff. So thinking a little bit ahead and being more strategic with that and just thinking of even easy meals to cook or meal prepping, that totally 
saves money. And it's something I've been trying to implement over the last month or two to, to be more conscious of that. You'll have to start a series. <laughs> I know, like how Jero's saving money. <laughs> and okay, so the last thing, and that made me think of it actually, was your, your YouTube. I like absolutely adore the fact that you're doing it because you're so natural. Like you know, it's you. just an extension of your Instagram stories. So would you mind just real brief, this is what we'll wind up on. What's your idea behind the YouTube? Like what do you want people to take from it? You know, whether that's something serious, just a laugh, whatever you, you know, want people to take from it. And what, what are your kind of plans for it? You know, what can people expect from it? Where can they find it? I think this comes back to kind of where we started not too long ago and talking about creativity. And for me, I, like I've mentioned, have felt a little bit in a rut creatively, well, can't even talk, creatively speaking. Um, And I've just been trying to push myself to do things to spark some excitement and spark some passion again. Um, Posting on Instagram is great, but I want to do more. I want to push myself to try new things. I've been editing since I was like eight years old. My mom is in the film space. And so all my school projects, I would put together little videos and I'm not super skilled at it, but I know the basics and editing is something that I really enjoy. I love taking these bits and pieces of film, putting it together and making something fun and exciting or entertaining or educating out of it. So for me, I think I initially started just as a way to flex that creativity muscle and push myself to try something new. That being said, gosh, it's like, I feel like I'm starting from scratch on a new platform. Like, I feel like I'm begging people like, please subscribe to my channel. Please comment. I'll do anything. (laughs) Um, And and it's it's also interesting to see how one platform doesn't necessarily translate to the next. Like I have 160,000 Instagram followers, um, but I'll put a video up and a couple hours later it has a hundred views and I've gotten like two more subscribers. So it's sort of humbling to experience a platform from, from scratch. Um, in terms of future plans, I mean, I, I really just want to push myself to continue to create and also not get bogged down by the numbers. Like it's hard to, edit some to film and edit and know that it took you hours and hours and hours to do and then put it up and barely anyone is seeing it like that's really tough and it makes you kind of not want to create but I think that if I am enjoying the process which I am and it's something that I find joy in which I do it's something I need to continue so it's a little bit less about the vanity metrics and more of just finding some excitement in the creativity process which I've been lacking a little bit Um, so no like real plans I think I just want to have fun with it I think that in general I'm good on video and I think I'm I'm good at editing so just putting those skills to use and kind of throwing spaghetti on the wall and and seeing where it sticks Love that. I, I feel you on the, like the kind of vanity marker idea when I started the podcast, you know, it's like, I don't, I don't know what I expected, but it is hard when you put in hours oh. and hours of work hours. And, hours. Then, and then it's like, okay, I'm not getting paid and hardly anyone is get, seeing this or like hearing this, but like, I don't know, with time you get faster at putting it together and then more people find it. And then all of a sudden you get a message from someone saying, you know, how it, touch them or how it made them laugh or whatever. It's like, okay, 
I suppose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Once you get those kind of things, it, it's it's worth it. I mean, if it makes you feel any better, like like I said, I have a large audience on Instagram, and and some days it does feel like I'm talking to no one, and some days it does feel like, what is the point of writing this blog post or putting up this Instagram post or making this YouTube video? Um, but something really recently happened that kind of, I mean, it boosted my ego, but it also I think boosted my heart a little bit. I asked people to leave these follower testimonials. There's a website, there's a, it's a um, influencer platform called four, four card. And they have this new feature where followers can write testimonials for an influencer, which I don't think exists anywhere else. And I'm just trying to stay on top of it and on top of like uh, different things that are happening in the influencer space. So I'm like, shit, I better get on top of this and ask people to write me some testimonials. And I, I was like, shit, how can I ask people? Is anyone going to do it? And I honestly was shocked. I think in one day I, I got 400, which is crazy because sometimes I'll ask people to swipe up on a link and like, you know, thousands of people see it and 40 people do it. So I wasn't expecting the response that I got. And most of the testimonials are super short and sweet, but it was just such a good reminder that people are watching, even if they're not responding or saying anything and things that you do stick with them for a while and have a positive impact. So it was such a refreshing thing to see and such a good reminder that when you think your content and what you say is not reaching anyone, regardless of your audience size, it, it really is, even if it's just a small amount of people. So that kind of re-sparked my flame and, and made me feel good. I love that, honestly. Well, where can people find you? and hopefully support you and yes. all these opportunities you give them. <laughs> I am on the gram. I'm at Jara Bean. It's Jara.Bean. And then, uh, oh my God, please go to my YouTube and subscribe. I'm thirsty for subscribers. Jara Bean over there. Jara Bean on Twitter. Facebook is not interesting, so don't go there. And um, my website and blog, JaraBean.com. Well, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. My day, of course. Oh, yay. I hope you guys loved that episode as much as I loved recording it. I just feel so honored to be able to speak with guests like Jara and connect with them and bring their story, their journey, their advice, wisdom, inspiration, all of that to you guys in an easy to take in format. You know, put the podcast on, walk your dog, cook your dinner, be in the car shower. I don't know. Maybe that's taking it too far, but I appreciate you guys. Thank you for listening. And if you want to connect with either of us, Jara is on Instagram at jara.bean. I'm on Instagram at thrive underscore on life. I would absolutely love to hear your thoughts on this one. What did you like? Maybe what didn't you like? What would you like to see more of? All that good jazz. And as usual, if you check out the sponsors of the show, let me know. I'd love to give you some advice, feedback of what I think of their products, and I truly hope you give them a go. And if you're feeling extra raw, raw, I love this podcast today, maybe you go on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and leave a rate and review, or heck, even subscribe, whatever floats your boat. I decided that maybe I'd read a review at the end of this one just to give you an idea of <laughs> what people are writing. Maybe you feel like you don't know what to write. Honestly, five words is good enough. Like, I love the show. Or, you know, maybe you want to be critical and say, I love the show, but Emily needs to quit rambling as much. I'll take it either way. So today's review of the week, I suppose, is by 
Emmy B, and it's titled Happy Listening Five Star Review. I love this podcast. Emily is so genuine and asks very well thought out questions. If you're interested in health, wellness, <laughs> and mindfulness, mindful lifestyle, this is the perfect podcast for you. She gets a great variety of guests with backgrounds in all different avenues of the wellness industry. She's professional, intelligent, and so sweet. Listening to this podcast is like spending an hour with sisters or friends. Check it out! Exclamation point. Ah, I love it. I love you. <laughs> Thank you for such a beautiful review, and I appreciate you all. So, I'll see you next week. Well, you'll listen to me next week, I suppose it goes. So, catch me on the gram, and I'll talk soon. Bye.